Welcome to Searchlight, a survey through Scripture with Pastor John Corson. It is our desire to bring you a systematic study of the entire Bible, chapter by chapter, book by book. Sometimes we are oppressed by certain sins. Sometimes we go for years dealing with a sin that dominates us and enslaves us. And then we finally get sick of it and want to get rid of it. But how? That is what we are discussing here on Searchlight as we look at a story in Judges chapter 3. Over the past couple of programs, Pastor John has been telling us about Eglon, a very fat man that has been dominating and oppressing Israel. As we join John today, he is discussing Ehud, a deliverer that God raised up to deal with the oppressor Eglon. Let's now join Pastor John and learn how we deal with our oppressive sin. Ehud, our hero, he goes out to his workshop while others are getting burgers and shakes and french fries to feed Eglon and to appease him. Ehud knows what he needs to do. He goes out to his garage and he makes a great big sword, a two-edged dagger, and he puts it under his raiment on his right thigh. The sword... What does the sword speak of in the Bible? Hebrews 4 says, The word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any what? Two-edged sword. The book of Ephesians chapter 6 says that we are to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God is likened in the Bible to a sword. The sword is a picture of the word of God, you see. What does he do? He takes the sword, he puts it underneath his raiment, On his right thigh, he hides the word of God, even as Psalm 119 says, How shall a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed to the word. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not, what? Sin against thee. The key to overcoming sin, the key to getting rid of Eglon and that oppression within, is to take the scriptures and put them in my heart, to take the two-edged sword and put it just like this guy Ehud did when he put it underneath his raiment. Put the word of God, this sword, underneath your clothing. Put it in your heart. He does that. He puts it on his right thigh. Then they brought the present, verse 17, to Eglon, the king of Moab. No doubt this food, this stuff. And Eglon was a very fat man. And when he had made an end to offer the present, he sent away the people that bear the present. So they give Eglon this present. I believe, no doubt it would be food. Great, thank you, he says. And then the guys, the people of Israel, they, they turn back and they go their way. And when that happened, Ehud sent the people away, but he himself turned back around again, verse 19, and went back to the palace of Eglon and said, I have a secret errand unto thee, O king. 
And Eglon says, a secret errand, keep silent. I mean, this guy, you know, hey, listen up, he's saying. And all that stood by went out from him. And Ehud came near unto him. And Ehud said, I have a message from God unto thee. And he rose out of his seat. That is Eglon. You can't even tell he's standing up, though. I mean, he just kind of rolls out of his seat. Oh, a message from God, some new recipe. Angel food cake, no doubt. You know, at that point, Ehud, verse 21, put forth his left hand and took the dagger from his right thigh. It must have hit him like a bolt of lightning. He takes his left hand because he's left-handed. And he goes to his right thigh, and it must have hit him. That's why. That's why. I'm left-handed because you see men in that day being right-handed would always keep their weapons if they were concealed on their left thigh. You draw across the body, you see. And so oftentimes when a guy would go into the presence of a king, the king's security people would sometimes get sloppy and would just then frisk the left side because guys are right-handed. But in this case, Ehud was left-handed, and if indeed he was handicapped, all the more reason to not be concerned about him. They checked him out quickly, no problem, he can talk to the king. I know now, he must have thought in that moment, why I'm left-handed. God didn't make a mistake when he made me. It's all according to his purpose and his plan, his grand plan for me. Like that lady, Jan, she prayed as she was growing up, she prayed, oh Lord, please Change my brown eyes to blue. As she was three, four, five, and six, she would offer her prayers by her bed as little kids do with just such freedom and openness. Oh, God, please, if you love me, change my brown eyes to blue. Her eyes were never changed, obviously. She grows up and loves the Lord and goes overseas to India in the 60s where she is a missionary. She's serving in the northern provinces of India. During that time, there was a communist insurrection. And the communist guerrillas were taking control of village after village, including the village where Jan Morrison was a missionary. The communists surrounded the village. There was no way of escape, and they were killing all missionaries and all foreigners. The villagers cared about Jan. They, they valued what she was doing in their little town, their little village. And so they dressed her up like one of them, and they put a dye on her skin to make her look like an Indian, a person from India. And when those insurrectionists, those guerrillas, those communists came into that town hours later, they lined up the 150 people or so that resided in the village because they heard, they knew that somewhere there was a foreigner in the midst of that little village. And Jan was standing there too, dressed like a native Indian with dye on her skin. And those guerrillas went person to person to person looking each one in the eye trying to find if indeed there was a foreigner in the midst of them. And Jan tells a story of how she stood there when one of those gorillas looked her right in the eye and then passed on by. And she says, it hit me then, Lord, that's why I have brown eyes. God makes no mistakes in the way he makes you, in the way he makes me. You might say, well, I don't like my personality. Well, there's some reason that you're a jerk. You'll see. Hang in there. There's some reason you are the way you are. Me too. God makes you and makes me for purposes that only time will reveal, but it will. You watch, you wait, you'll see. I guarantee. And so here, Ehud 
he takes his left hand. Ah, that's why as he grabs their the dagger that was under his garments from his right thigh, and he thrust this, this sword, verse 21, he takes it and thrust it into Eglon's belly. I've got a secret message from God for you. Boom. And the haft, verse 22, also went in after the blade. And the fat closed upon the blade so he could not draw the dagger out of his belly. I mean, his eyes must have got as big as saucers when he watches this sword just go in, 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 and the blubber just blubbers, blubbers, blubbers over, and this huge sword is lost in the blubber of Eglon, and even the handle gets swallowed up too. (laughs) What an amazing story. I mean, he loses his sword in the guy's blubber, you see. He could not draw the dagger out of his belly. Verse 22, last phrase is amazing to me, and the dirt came out. Now, I don't know if Eglon was eating dirt, he was so hungry, or if it means that the stuff that he was eating wasn't washed, or if it means that it was his entrails or intestines, whatever it might be, the sword goes in and the dirt comes out. This is the key. How does a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed to the word. When the word goes in, the dirt comes out. Say that with me. The word goes in, the dirt comes out. Once more, the word goes in, the dirt com- that's it all of a sudden man he takes this sword and thrusts it into the belly of Eglon and and the sword is enveloped swallowed up by this guy's blubber but then the dirt pours out and Eglon goes down and he dies and the people are set free and we'll finish this story on Wednesday night but listen carefully set free 18 years of bondage, 18 years of brutality, 18 years when Eglon dominated God's people mercilessly. They finally cry to the Lord, and here is the way God answers that cry, that prayer, by sending a man with a sword to deal with that oppressor. So too for me, so too for you, so too for us. Listen carefully. It's the word, it's the word, it's the word of God. It's the word. It's the word. You get in the word. You learn about the word. You give yourself to study of the word. You saturate your soul. You meditate on. You take time to study through. You really absorb the scriptures, and here's what will happen to you. When the sword goes in, the dirt comes out. You see. Eglon goes down. Sometimes a guy will come to me and say, John, would you pray for me because I'm struggling with lust? Would you pray for me because I'm struggling with integrity? Would you pray for me because I'm struggling with this or that or whatever it might be? And sometimes, oftentimes, I will say no. And they'll say what? I'll say, I'm not going to pray for you. I'm going to give you a good piece of advice. Get in the word. Get in the word. Because you're not a Bible study. And you're not having devotions. And you're not starting your day in the Word. I I know, you're not, are you? No, I'm not. Then a simple prayer is not going to be the solution to your dilemma. It's not going to be the answer to your problem. It's the Word of God. God wants you to be in communion with Him. To learn all kinds of things about Him. To really be knowledgeable of His way, His plan. And so He's not going to answer a simple prayer for you to be freed from that issue 
But here's the key. You get in the word and you'll find something that happens. As the sword goes in, the dirt comes out. Hell shall a young man cleanse his ways by taking heed to the word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It's the word. It's the word. Can I ask you this old time Christian? How's your daily devotions doing? How about this past week? Think back with me the last seven days. Did you start your days this week in the word? If so, guess what? The eglons that would have otherwise dominated you were going down right and left. If you didn't, then you struggled unnecessarily with things, attitudes, addictions, habits, tensions, anxieties, worries, depressions, problems, because the key is the word. How shall a young man cleanse his way? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It's the scriptures. How are you doing on Bible study? Are you learning the book of Judges? Are you learning the gospel of John? Are you involved in Romans or Revelation or whatever it might be with your study group, whether it's here or some other church? But listen carefully. You need to be in the word consistently, continually. I don't care if you're a new Christian or an old timer. If you're not having that time in the word, things get real dark inside. And you can go to all the meetings you want and say, oh, I wish I could be delivered from this darkness. But the way to be delivered from darkness is not to deal with the darkness, but to turn on the light. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If I go into a dark room at home, I don't say, I bind you, darkness. Flee in the name of PG&E. Flee, you see, or whatever it might be. I can scream at the darkness. I can talk about the darkness. I can give you a telephone call and say, what should I do concerning the darkness? I can karate it, whatever it might be. It's not going to work. The key to overcoming darkness is simply to go to the switch and turn on the light, and the light will cause the darkness to flee. Folks, this book is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Sanctify them by truth. Thy word is truth, he prayed for you and me. It's the word. It's the word. It's the word. It's the word. And if you're not in the word, you're going to get dark inside and depressed and discouraged and defeated and you're going to have eglons getting fatter and bigger and dominating you day after day until finally one day you'll listen to what the word has to say that's it lord i'm crying to you make me a man a woman of your word i will do what your word tells me to thy word have i hid in my heart that I might not sin, that I will not sin against you. My way is going to be cleansed by taking heed to your word. That's what I'm going to do. Listen, John, why are you preaching? Why are you telling us this? Because I so desperately want every one of you to be men, to be women, every one of you to be people who are committed to going through the Bible day by day, talking to the Lord, learning about him. You say, but John, I can't remember what I read. It doesn't matter. People say to me all the time, my mind is like a sieve. And I say, yeah, well, the water of the word, even though your mind is a sieve, will give you a clean sieve. It'll wash through you. It'll have an impact on you for that day, for that time, you see. 
And you'll be surprised how much will stick with you ultimately. Just keep reading, keep studying. But it doesn't make sense it will. Be consistent in your reading. That's the key. Just keep reading. Eventually, it'll, it's like going skiing. The first time I went skiing, I hated it. Couldn't stand it. You know, you fall down. You can't even stand back up. Oh, the first time I went, my buddy, Bruce Bickle, and me, we took the gals we were dating up to ski up at Donner Springs or something like that up in the Sierra Nevada mountains. And they were real good. We were awful. We didn't know how to ski. So we spent the day on the bunny hill, me and my buddy, Bruce. We couldn't get it. It was awful. It was just terrible. And right about 3 o'clock, about an hour before the lifts close, we're there on the bunny slopes, falling down, getting wet, just hating what we're doing, hating life. And then about 3 o'clock or so, it was crazy because Bruce is, you know, trying to get going, and I'm with him, and, and boom, his knee pops out. He fell down and was in pain, and I freaked out. Oh, no, my buddy, you know. So I, I went down the hill to get help for him. Amazing. This is an absolutely true story. I went down the hill to get help for him, and when I went down the hill to get help for him, It was the first time all day I didn't fall. And I was so amazed and so pleased I got back in line to go back up again. And I forgot all about Bruce. And I went down several times. And and lucky somebody else saw the dilemma and went and got the guys to take him down the bunny slope and all that. But it's, it's, it's that way, you know, skiing or sports activities can so often be like that. You know, you struggle, you don't get it, and boom, all of a sudden it clicks. So too with the word. I don't get this, man. This, I just don't get it. Stay with it. And what you'll find is, oh, hey, the word of God is a sharp two-edged sword. That's how this applies to this Eglon Ehud story, you see. Now, why did I see that when I first started teaching that 25 years ago? Because I was reading the book of Hebrews at the time in my own devotionals. The word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. And you begin to make connections. But I read this story many times before I really understood how it applied to me personally. So too for you. You stick with it. Well, yeah, but in the meantime, if I'm not making the application, it's still feeding your soul. It's still cleaning your mind. It's still driving out the darkness within. Listen, folks, be consistent. Be committed to your personal Bible study, to Bible group times, too, that we do here or wherever you might go, but get involved in a good Bible study and grow and grow. Eglon will get wiped out. As the sword goes in, the dirt comes out. Guarantee. Absolutely. Read consistently. Read conversationally. Talk to the Lord while you're reading. Talk. This is the way the Lord speaks to you is this book that's in your hand. After you read a sentence or two, stop and talk to him. It's two-way communication. Jesus said, in this you think you have life, but these are they which speak of me, he said, concerning the scriptures. Talk to me. I could call Tammy on the telephone. I could say, Tammy, listen. And I could talk, 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 talk. Hang up. See, now I've talked to her or I could have a dialogue. Listen, talk, talk, talk. Now you talk to me and then she talks to me. Talk, 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 you know, <laughs> or I can say, Tommy, let's let's talk back and forth. Let's really communicate. And I'll say a sentence or two and she'll say a sentence or two and I'll say a sentence or ten and she'll say another one or whatever it might be. <laughs> we go back and forth. That's what Bible study is to be, whether you're sitting in the amphitheater or having devotions in the morning. It's to be, Lord, I oh, got it. Yes, Lord, there is an eglon in my heart. And yes, Lord, there is depression in my life. And yes, Lord, I have not read your word in a number of days. And Bible study is no longer a priority in our family schedule. No wonder, Lord, this is getting heavy. No wonder I'm being discouraged. No wonder it's dark. Lord, I get it again. 
And if you've prayed that way, even sitting here today, God is going to be setting you free. It's a communication that takes place, you see. Read expectantly, not just consistently and conversationally, but read expectantly. Expect God to speak to you. How does that happen? I suggest if you haven't yet learned this, it's a good thing to do. When you have your Bible study times or your devotionals, keep a pencil and paper handy. I believe that if a person has a pencil and paper handy, they are saying, I expect to hear something from God that is worth jotting down. And when I don't have a pencil and paper handy in my devotions or my Bible study or sermons I listen to, what I am essentially saying is, I expect to hear nothing worth remembering. And God says, okay, gotcha. That's exactly what you're going to get, nothing. But if I come say, Lord, I expect to hear from you today, in my devotions, I have my journal open. If I'm at a Bible study, I have a pencil and paper. I'm saying, Lord, I expect that you're going to speak to my heart. Something worth jotting down, a verse, a thought, a reminder, a sentence, a word of prophecy, whatever it might be. Listen, Habakkuk was wrestling through issues. And he said, I will go to the tower and I will see what the Lord will say to me. And the Lord said to him, Habakkuk, write the vision and make it plain. What if Habakkuk said, oh, I forgot my pencil. See, Habakkuk went there because he knew he needed to hear from the Lord. He was in a state of expectancy. He had pencil and paper or pen and scroll handy. He expected to hear. This is such a key. This is such a key. I'm always trying to help people to see this. If you don't approach the word with a spirit of expectancy, you're not going to get what you otherwise would have. Come to the Lord and say, Lord, I expect to hear from you today. Read consistently, read conversationally, read expectantly with pencil and paper in hand saying, I expect, Lord, I'm going to hear from you during this devotional time or during this Bible study or whatever it might be. Number four, number four, finally, read obediently. Lord, what you say I'm going to do today, if you say rejoice, I'm going to start rejoicing right now. If you say lift up your heart with your hands, that's what I'm going to do. If you say put away lying, then that's my goal. That's my intention for this day. Because if I don't read obediently, here's the reality, kids. God's not going to give me more information if I already have failed to do what he's told me to previously. Well, I'm not getting anything out of the word. What's the last thing he showed you? Well, that I was to worship. Have you done that? I don't know. Well, then why would he tell you something else? Why would he stack up your inbox? Why would he clutter up your desk spiritually with more and more to do? He gives you one thing, one thing for me. And he says, do this and more information will come your way. That's the key. This is important stuff. Would you be people of the word? Don't let Eglon dominate over you for another day. Cry out to the Lord and then do what he tells you to. The deliverer, the one who sent your way. Jesus Christ comes to you and says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Thy word is truth, he prayed to the Father. It's the word of God. Be a lover of this book. Be a student and a disciplined one in your taking in the scriptures day after day. It'll make all the difference, I guarantee. Eglon will go down, and you'll be set free if you become a person who says, starting today, Lord, I'm going to be disciplined in the taking in of your word. I guarantee you'll be blessed. And that's not just a guarantee from John. 
it's a guarantee from God. As we take in the Word of God, it will push out the dirt, the sin of our life. If you are sick of your oppressive sin, deal with it today. Grab the sword of the Spirit and deal a death blow to the dominating, destructive sin in your life. You will be glad you did. This teaching is also available on the Searchlight website at johncorson.com. You will also find on the website Pastor John's books and other Bible study resources. Again, the address of the website is johncorson.com. That's J-O-N-C-O-U-R-S-O-N.com. We are all on a journey in this life. If you are a believer in God, your journey is taking you to heaven. To help us keep our eyes on our destination, we have a book available called A Place for You, Reflections on Heaven. This book, taken from sermons that John has given, focuses on the hope of heaven. Heaven is a real place, and it is not that far away. This book is for everyone who longs for that day when we will be in heaven with our Savior. You may order a place for you from our website at johncorson.com. Searchlight is a listener-supported ministry. We appreciate your prayers and support. May the Lord richly bless you.